0: Hey, guys. Robert Mays here. On today's Ringer NFL show, we're chatting about some big names whose statuses are in flux. We're also going to talk about OTAs, which is the last time we will see players before training camp opens in six weeks. Six weeks. I can't believe we're there already. As always, we're brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where there are a ton of great shows for you.
1: This episode of the Recapables Billions is the final one of the third season. Kevin, do you watch Billions? Are you caught up yet? It is my favorite show on television, but I just got back from a very long trip so i'm one episode behind i've not seen the finale that
0: everybody else is talking about so i just started watching like last week i'm eight episodes into the first season i'm obsessed and i cannot wait to get to season three so i can listen to mallory sean Fennessy, and allison Herman talk about what is supposedly a pretty buzzworthy finale also please go and listen to our new music podcast on shuffle hosted by micah peters i would tell you to listen to it anyway But I think this week you really should because I am on it. Yeah, talking about a big story that I did that I do not want to mention. Oh, I was was about to say it. I do not want to mention it quite yet. I mean, I guess we can, but I I want to hold off just a second. Let's not. It's coming off, coming out later this week. So please check out On Shuffle and that big story. That's all I'll say. Big story. Also, please go to theringer.com to check out everything we have going right now. Kevin O'Connor predicted the NBA offseason, which. Oh my, the stakes are high And that's pretty much what KOC is getting into We have a ton of World Cup coverage Also, Andrew Guidara wrote about Can't Hardly Wait Which is a very important movie to me You should all go read that When is your music story going out? Wednesday I'm, I'm fired up I really hope so It's, I'm it's fired about up a topic that I also enjoy we It's a very shared interest of ours And I, I don't want to pump up the anticipation too much For less people be disappointed So no. before we get too far down that road Let's get to our show Yeah Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined again by Kevin Clark, which I'm very excited about. I missed you, buddy.
1: I missed you too. Uh, I was in South Africa for yeah. Three that weeks. sounds
0: way better than how I spent my time since I last spoke to you. But you know, teach his own. I'm very
1: jealous. I, I hope, did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? It was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, that's a wide, awesome. I'm by a happy. wide margin. Um, all ev- all of South Africa is just amazing. It is just great cities and then there's the safari obviously which is the best parts are in the northeast of the country i went to a rugby game uh robert uh, uh, do you think you understand the rules of rugby? Oh my god, no. Okay, because <laughs> so I did. I did think I understood oh, the oh, rules that's, of rugby. That's,
0: this is a different thing between me and you. I think I'm more willing to just step back and be like, no, I don't. No, get it. no, no. So like, I'm like, t- person
1: than t- me. T- like ten years ago, I like played a rugby video game for five minutes, and I was like, I, I got this. And every once in a while, sometimes <laughs> I'd be traveling. Like I watched the Rugby World Cup from England a couple years ago, so yeah, I'm like, I cool. got yeah. this. I, I figure out how people score and stuff. And then I went to this game. And uh, I do not know the rules of rugby. They would it's, get to like the one yard line. Well, I'm sure they don't call it that. They would get to the goal line. And then for some reason, they would just have to back up for five yards. But they would make or uh, something like that. And it's then, like when you're
0: playing 21 and you can't hit 13. Yeah, is that, and is then, that then they, they would make
1: no announcement. There was also very... Like the crowd doesn't react in the same way American football crowds react, like if someone's at the one yard line, there's not really this anticipation, probably because they don't understand the rules either. (laughs) And then, but then obviously when they get in, when they get the try, which is the score, there's the same rush uh, as a touchdown in American football. Rugby is an amazing, I had an amazing time at the rugby game. I'm sure it was great. The athleticism is incredible.
0: You know that John Oliver bit where he was talking when he's talking about geography and he points out a country and he's like, "No, actually this is that country." You could do the same thing with that and rugby terminology to me. Like you could just make up 10 words and I would just nod like I knew it was going on be like, "Oh yeah, that of course like the flipper flop." Yeah. And they could half of them would be fake and I would have absolutely no idea.
1: Yeah, no, it was uh it was uh it was a hell of a it was a hell of an event. I'm I'm a huge uh, Stormers fan now. So one of the reasons that this was a well-timed trip for you is because there isn't a lot going on in the football
0: world between the middle of May and the middle of June. It's kind of a dead time, and now we're just kind of getting back into it. You OTAs. couldn't tell.
1: You couldn't tell from back. This is an OTA's preview
0: show. Yeah, OTA's preview show. That's where we're at in the calendar. So really, stuff is going to pick back up for the first time. This is the initial time we're going to see veterans since the offseason began. The last time we'll see them before training camp. So there's stuff to talk about, but not a ton. So we will get into all of that and more on this show. But first, let's get into some of the things that have been kicking around the news a little bit. Yeah. One of the hallmarks of this time in the NFL calendar is general discontent for players and their contracts. So there are a couple guys in that realm right now that we haven't really talked about. Obviously, we devoted a, hair, a whole show to Aaron Donald yep. last month. These are a couple other guys that are... Looking for new deals after they've secured their big one. And those two people, Earl Thomas and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, there are rumors flying about both of these guys. Earl Thomas said he will sit out OTAs until he gets a new deal. So we want to talk about not only the current situations, but the outlook for both of these guys as they move toward the latter half of their career. I feel like there are a lot of similarities of where they're, where they both are, both in their standing in the league their age, when they were drafted, all that stuff, and in a way, the trajectory of their two franchises. Obviously, the Patriots are still a contender where the Seahawks have kind of stepped out of that standing, I guess is what you would say, but you can see kind of the writing on the wall for maybe where this Patriots franchise will go. So it's a curious time for both these players and the teams they're on. Kevin, let's start with Earl Thomas. What jumps out to you most about just this general situation?
1: Well, it's interesting. You know, Bill Barnall made the point on Twitter yesterday that the Seahawks have a rule of only handing out extensions when there's they're one year out from mm-hmm. free agency. And Barnall makes the point that Thomas can probably see the writing on the wall in this in the sense that they're not deep in contract negotiations right now. He sort of realizes what the Seahawks may be doing to him. And so he's being proactive. Um, for me. I think it makes all the sense in the world for him. Obviously he wants to go to Dallas. He's he's pretty clearly (laughs) made that known. I think that, you know, his former position coach, Chris Richard, is now a influential assistant, maybe even like the shadow fake defensive coordinator, even though Rod Marinelli is still there in Dallas. Well, remember what they did with Monty Kiffin where they just kept him around and then they now they're doing that with Rod Marinelli, I think. I don't understand why Rod Marinelli shouldn't have that job.
0: That's still something. If we look at where the Cowboys Isn't Chris finished, Richard just like
1: running the defense now?
0: I, I have no idea. I, 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 how things work in that building is beyond me. And, and trying to figure out where those lines are drawn is, is not something I feel like is a fruitful endeavor.
1: Let's leave that aside for one second. Whatever Chris Richard's role is, whether or not he's the shadow defensive coordinator or not. <laughs> the Shadow league of the Dallas. The Cowboys. shadow. He's secretly running it. Oh God. The, 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 Dick, the Dick Cheney. The Dick Cheney of the Cowboys defense. <laughs> Oh, so, there's a, so much to be said there that I don't want to get into. Let's continue. So, he's the defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator. What does that mean? All of this stuff
0: now, the run game coordinator, the pass game coordinator. I don't, isn't just the offensive line coach the run game coordinator?
1: I don't understand any of this nonsense. I don't know. Okay. So obviously the Seahawks are I I think Seahawks Twitter has been defensive about the term rebuilding. I don't think they're rebuilding because I also think that it's when you have a great quarterback like Russell Wilson who I th- I think the world of, you're you're going to be able to have some level of competition every year. Um but it's there's obviously a huge passing of the torch in Seattle and I wouldn't blame the Seahawks for trying to get as much value as possible for Earl Thomas to sort of kickstart the uh I don't know what you would call it, retooling process? I'm torn about this. I understand where you're coming
0: from. And I think, in a way, the Seahawks are almost in a worse position than a team that's rebuilding. Yeah. Because now you're floating in this uh, nebulous hey, I'd ground. rather
1: I'd rather have Russell Wilson than not have Russell Wilson.
0: That's totally fair. But again, I think that now you're kind of... You're not rebuilding, but you're also not a contender, which is a rough spot to be in. It's just not fun. It's hard to... <laughs> understand where you're going and what you want to do as a franchise when that's when you're living in that sort of purgatory. So I understand that you want Earl Thomas. You want all the value you can get as you retool this team. But haven't we figured out based on the performance of this defense with and without Earl Thomas that they're absolute garbage when he doesn't play. Oh, without and a doubt. Now with all the players that aren't there would be even worse when he doesn't play. So that's kind of my problem here is that what are the Seahawks, especially on defense, without Earl Thomas? You could argue with the players they have right now with guys like Rasheem Green. Rasheem Green, who's a rookie, Archivius Mingo, Nico Thorpe. I mean, all these guys are probably going to have a real chance to be contributors this year. And if Earl Thomas isn't a part of that group and we don't know what Cam Chancellor's future is, this is Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright and a whole lot of nothing. And that's problematic to me. So I know why you'd want to squeeze every bit of value you can get out of him. And I think with a lot of veterans, that's probably the way to think about it. And with the next guy we're going to talk about, maybe that's the way to think about it. But I feel like the Seahawks are in a very unique position in terms of what he adds to that defense and whether the value you can get for a 29-year-old guy who's been injured a couple times is worth it or not.
1: I think that I've said this when Earl Thomas was in his prime. And he came off You think that prime is
0: over then? You're talking I, about I, don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Maybe he still is. I don't know. But what I do know is that when he came out of a game in 2016 and 2017, I, I with the exception of quarterback, I don't remember a team flailing as hard as when the Seahawks lost Earl Thomas. Correct. I totally agree I with mean, you. It was like an entirely different team. It looked like they'd never played football before for some of those plays. It looked like he was running everything. I mean, I, you know, Chris Richard, I guess, was defensive coordinator of the Seahawks. I think Earl Thomas may have been. You know, I mean, it, it was that sort of force where he looked like he was keeping the whole thing together. And I think that, you know, I, 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 it's hard for me to say whether or not he's still in his prime. It is so hard for a guy like that. I mean, especially in the offseason. I don't know. I haven't seen him play in six months. We don't know what he looks like this fall. I, I think that he still has, you know, safeties don't age out. They're not running backs. You know, 29 is not a death sentence for Earl Thomas. He still could have a prime of two or three more years. Don't you agree? Yeah.
0: I mean, you look at guys that played for a while. Eric Weddle's up there in age. He's yeah. not the player he was. He was very good last year, but he was, or he was very good two years ago. He was solid last year. And Eric I think Weddle that- was, was never as good as Earl Thomas. No, I think he was in the same vein, but I think Earl Thomas was the best safety in the league when he was at his peak. Yes. I mean, Earl Thomas was one of the best players in the league. Agreed. Yes. I I totally agree with that. So I think that, yeah, Earl Thomas is still extremely valuable. And that's why, to me, when you're thinking about what the Seahawks can get for him, I don't know, is a second round pick we're trading Earl Thomas away? I don't think it is. And that's why I feel like all of this noise, the Seahawks eventually are going to listen to everything coming from Earl Thomas, everything coming from the outside pressures to acquiesce to what he wants. Sure. And in the end, there's going to be like, well, we have
1: Earl Thomas on a really team friendly contract and we're just going to keep him on that contract. So here's my question. The Seahawks know Earl Thomas better than anybody. They know what he looks like. They <laughs> do. you not? not, <laughs> I, 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 I know what he looks like. Um, <laughs> They know what he looks like in practice. Sure, more, okay. more specifically. Yeah, yeah, that was I would recognize Earl Thomas. If he, <laughs> Is that how far we've gotten with the he, anonymity of if NFL he, stars? If what percentage of NFL players would you, if they walk past you, would you recognize? That's a really good question.
0: Well, I guess it's what level of NFL player would you sure. not recognize?
1: Like, if, all right. So Kevin Byard walked past you on the street. Would yeah. you know what Kevin Byard looks like? Yeah, but I mean, it's hard for us because there's some teams where I've just spent a lot of time in the locker room. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Yeah, like, like, I know, what, I can, like, what I know every looks single like. yeah.
1: eagle. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, Patriot. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. But like, I it's don't tough. know what, uh, like, Devontae Parker.
0: I could not, I, there's no way I would know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Look, I, I, I have know. no idea
1: what Devontae Parker looks like.
0: Yeah, so I put it like maybe 50%, like every other guy.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I saw uh, Lance uh,
0: Briggs on the street on Saturday, on Friday night, which was very funny. I recognized him. Did he still play? Yeah, he definitely looked like he could still play. The the Bears may need him if the linebacker injuries goes I <laughs> go like, the
1: way it has in recent years. It's really fun when you see these guys who obviously could still play right now. Like when like when Kurt Warner said he was asked to play this year.
0: I mean, yeah. And
1: the dearth of NFL quarterbacks. Even though I think that is started
0: to go away, but even if Kurt Warner was like sixty percent of who he used to be, you think he could give the Jaguars more There's than play boards? There's no
1: way that Kurt Warner is sixty percent of what he used to be. He's isn't he How like old is I don't know. <laughs> you're probably right. It's still funny there's no that. way He's, He's only 46. 46. Come on now. He's 46 Vin- Vinny was still playing at 46. Vinny was not actually playing. He was holding a clipboard for Bill Parcells. It was a job it was a job racket for Vinny Testaverdi.
0: Vinnie Testaverdi played in his final season. How much did he play? Uh, let, me get, let me get this straight because it's coming up right now. Okay, he was only 44. so well, uh, yeah, it wasn't 46. He was only 44.
1: He played, he's, he, he started, started six, six games, games He went 2007 <laughs> Panthers. <laughs> went two and four. I told you, he was still playing it. Vinny was slinging it at 44. That's great. Wow. That makes me really happy. Wow. Right, let's Bill move Parcell- on from Vinny Testaverdi talk. He started for the 4 15 games for the 4 Cowboys. Oh, What an illustrious career How for about Vinny? Bill Parcells? I can't believe they won six and ten. <laughs> Bill Parcells bringing in 41-year-old Vinny Testaverdi. And you know what? He's a known quantity. I understand. Ro- Romo was on that team, huh? Wow.
0: Well, just think of the six degrees of separation. Vinny's the answer to a lot of them.
1: You can collect you can
0: connect a lot of NFL careers with Vinny Testaverdi. What were we talking about?
1: Earl Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> so, we were talking this, about Oh Kurt Warner. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Okay, no. I'm sorry. This was about who what <laughs> was about the Seahawks. Knowing what Old Thomas looks like in practice. Sure. Let's go. I guess they yeah, don't was, because he hasn't showed up for anything. So I mean, that's just, I would I wouldn't show up if I was him either. But um they're not offering him an extension.
0: Yeah, that's not surprising to me though. That's Why? He's gonna
1: be an undrafted unrestricted free agent next year, after this year. They're not even talking to him. That it just seems it just seems like if he if they think he was still the impact player that he was in 2016, 2017, that it, they would be saying, here's a blank check. And yeah, is that, is that not suspicious to you? Here's my thing. And, and this is why it's not as suspicious
0: because it, to me, it's not about performance or value. I think it's about understanding where you are. And the idea that the Seahawks aren't retooling is curious to me. And I, I, I think now I'm more on your side with this because if it's the last year, Maybe that second round pick is worth it versus one year of Earl Thomas. What would well, you no, I just get? think I'm just reading, be?
1: looking at the context clues. It just seems like the Seahawks don't believe in him as much as I, I think it's more that the Seahawks don't believe in where they're going to be as a franchise two years from now, and yeah. paying
0: Earl Thomas market value for safety now, which is like thirteen million dollars. Also, year, the safety is market, worth it.
1: the safety market is cratered in a very weird way. Exactly, and but I think that that's just I don't
0: know. I don't believe in that necessarily. I think that's just the teams kind of following this domino effect and guys not getting signed and affecting the value of other players. I don't understand how Earl Thomas is somehow less
1: valuable than Eric Berry was a year ago because guys like Trey Boston can't get jobs. That doesn't make sense to me. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying that the the forces at work here. Also, if you traded Thomas right now, you could get... There's a lot of safeties who are available right now who are significantly worse than Earl Thomas, but at least decent NFL starters. Would you take a second round pick for Earl Thomas if you were the Seahawks? If I was the Seahawks and I didn't, I believed his best days were behind him, I would take a second round pick. But this just depends on kind of what we're saying, which is, do they think they can't compete again until 2020, or what? I think that's a fair. We don't know. It is. it, It is. It is really hard for us to get inside the brains of John Schneider and Pete Carroll and and say we believe we can do blank in 2018 and 2019 and and unless you can get that behind the scenes conversation that you don't have all the information about whether or not you would take a second round pick for Earl Thomas it's it's it is trading i mean Earl Thomas is as close to a franchise player in a secondary position as you can get and you're only going to trade him for a second round pick if you believe that the 2018 and 2019 are a total write off. I think that in the
0: realm of what the Seahawks have come to expect from just their performance and their ceiling, you can say that those years are a total write off. The Seahawks I, have $65 I mean, I million dollars in cap space next year, okay, based on projection, and that's without $13 million Earl Thomas. Do you think that in their mind, it's more important to have flexibility to be able to allow this retool? than it is to maintain Earl Thomas on your roster for the next however long. I don't know the answer
1: to that, but it could be what they're thinking in the sense now, that it, let's not it, hamstring ourselves. Here's, here's the other question. Do the Seahawks believe that the Rams are so good that they cannot win the division with their current roster, even if they kept Earl Thomas? If they're smart, they think that. They're the third best team in that division right now. <sighs> the Niners being number two.
0: I think so. If you had to make a bet right now, who wins more games in twenty eighteen, the
1: Seahawks or the Niners? Who would you pick? I mean, it, it's it's a great question because you have one team that's on the ascent and one team that appears to be on the descent. So maybe figuring they, out where that intersection meet, point comes they is meet difficult. Somewhere in the middle,
0: I would pick the Niners, but I, that's because I've I have a lot of red and gold Kool Aid in my body right now. What?
1: I'm drinking the Niners Kool-Aid. That's I know, I, I know, saying. I know. I just wanted more information.
0: <laughs> I just, I like, I like what they've done. I've written a lot about them. I've talked a lot about them. I just, I'm very much in the bag for the Niners where uh, I think that maybe you are not.
1: No, I am. I just think that they, I think they still have a little bit of, the whole roster isn't quite there yet. I think that they, I agree, they, but
0: I think even player to player, even if you don't consider this Earl Thomas, or the Earl Thomas kind of Russell Wilson echelon in the Seahawks roster, I think a 53-man basis, the 49ers are a better football team than the Seahawks right now.
1: I I may agree with that by training camp. I may agree with that. I, I don't... I, it, it is hard for me, until you get to camp, until you... I mean, I, I, this is a weird thing to say because I'm so into the data part of it, but vibes are a big thing for me. Like, when you go to camp... When sure. we go to camps in July and August, there are vibes around teams. You went to Indianapolis last year, and you watch Scott Tolsey, and we both did this, and you're just like, what the fuck is this? And everybody kind of <laughs> knew. Everyone just looks at this team, and like, well, this team's dog shit. Chuck Pagano's going to get fired. And it's like, that's it. And and you just sort of shut the know, door on that. Yeah. or like you know Baltimore last year. We were in Baltimore on the same day last year, and it was just kind of this vibe where it's like, well, another year, here we go again. It's so true, and not, no excitement whatsoever. Just no excitement. It was just very much like just pencil us in for for another Raven season, and I, you it, until I go to. I know this sounds like such a dumb old school rationale, but like I want to go to San Francisco and I want to go to Seattle and I just want to see what those teams look like in July and August because that tells me a lot. That's fair.
0: Alright, you said that Earl Thomas is one of the few franchise players that's not a quarterback and I think that over the last five years you could easily put Rob Gronkowski in that same category, yeah. and he's again in the same boat. Obviously there's probably some tension with his contract he's curious. He, he wasn't going to
1: show up to OTAs There's some rumors around whether he will be traded. There's I mean, a second OTA. There's another OTAs this week that neither Gronkowski nor Brady are going to uh, appear at. Do you think that this is an actual problem? Um, I think that if he was actually serious about retiring, then that's something the Patriots need to be get aggressive about monitoring because you don't want to start a season. And obviously, Gronkowski is going to play this year. But long-term planning-wise, Gronkowski is such a force in this offense that you either want to make sure he's a part of it or get some value for it because he is a, I mean, I would say he's not once in a lifetime, but he's pretty close to it as far as that level of athleticism, that level of production. And Brady only has a couple of years left and you're going to want either Rob Gronkowski or a Gronkowski type production player with him. And so I don't know what you do. I don't think you should trade him, but if you think he's going to be a problem or Belichick just wants to you know, maybe he's Belichick's worried he's going to actually retire at some point, or maybe he just doesn't want the contract drama. Then, yeah, maybe trade him to San Francisco for a for a second round pick. But I, I would like to keep Rob Gronkowski from the New England Patriots. I think he's more likely to get traded than Earl Thomas. Well, just because of how aggressive Bill Belichick has been and moving that, on from people. It's that, and it's the fact that there are legitimate factors about wanting to move on from
0: him. He's 29 years old. He's hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. There is that if he wanted to retire and not kind of back and forth. I think Rob Gronkowski is a transcendent player, but I feel like the track record of this team, the success they've had without him, they won the Super Bowl two years ago without him. Yep. And I understand that, you know, there's no Brandon Cooks this year and maybe their pass catching weapons aren't to the degree where you'd say we can lose him and still be fine. All that stuff makes sense, but I do think that there's. There are enough factors involved here where if he were to get traded, it would not surprise me.
1: Albert Breer floated Rob Gronkowski maybe moving on in 2016. And the reason is because Bill Belichick is so aggressive about moving on from guys. He, You know, his whole thing is he'd rather move on a year early than a year late. Exactly. And he does take flyers on guys who are maybe a year late, but he does so at the veterans minimum. And he does so with Guys who who are coming from other places. He didn't invest heavily in them. Guys like Ocho Cinco or Albert Hainsworth, who obviously are past their prime, didn't work out. But still, he will take those sort of chances. That list is
0: long, man. There's a, a lot I mean, of dudes on that list. A lot list. of
1: guys. Reggie Wayne's on Reggie that Wayne, list. There's a lot of guys. Reggie Wayne did not make it to the season. No, he got cut. That was a, that was kind of an amazing Belichick move. It was bizarre. Just, <laughs> just sign him just so he ruins his legacy. Flexing Bill Belichick. He slightly, just slightly tarnishes his legacy and then just cuts him. Oh, God. Oh, that, that, that is just a long con with the Colts-Patriots rivalry. It's that's all that is. That's real good. That's real good. Um, and so Belichick is not going to take a risk if he thinks... He's not worth the money, and so if you don't give Rob Gronkowski a contract extension, what happens? And I think that's that's sort of the game of chicken that's going to happen, and I think it's one of the most fascinating things to watch because there are already so many crazy stories about the Patriots, and now I mean, there was some a weird report about that turned out to not be true about Brady threatening to retire if they if they traded. Gronk or something and they had a meeting in New York. It, it, the whole report was, was later proven not true, but we're only going to get crazier and crazier these next couple weeks if there's an actual showdown between Gronk and the Patriots.
0: We have to move on, but before we do, I just want to kind of acknowledge that this is... It's, it's not a coincidence that these two guys are connected and we're talking about them in the same segment. They're both 29 years old. They were both drafted in 2010 and both of them signed contracts before they had to. And I think that those three factors, when you look at them all stacked up are why we're here because it was the year before the new CBA is when they got drafted. They signed contracts before the market had actually kind of come, had, had started to clear up and had started to come Mm -hmm. into focus in terms Mm -hmm. of how much the cap was going to explode over the next four years. Earl Thomas signed his contract in 2014. And if you think about the way the cap has still grown from that moment, you can understand why he thinks he's underpaid. Gronk is the same way. Gronk signed his contract in 2012. Which, again, it is a smart ploy for guys who want to get paid and, especially in Gronk's case, have a history of injury and want it to some security long term. But you can understand as Gronk looks around and he sees guys like Travis Kelsey and guys like Jordan Reed getting paid what they are, he's kind of like, I, what the hell is happening here? I, I am not only the best tight
1: end in the league, I am arguably one of the best offensive players in the league. This is garbage. I just want to follow up on a point you said. You said you could see why Earl Thomas thinks he's worth a lot more. Maybe it's because he's seen them play without Shawn sure. Thomas. And, and that's
0: fair too. Uh, I just, this is, again, it's not a coincidence that these guys are reaching this point at the same time. When you get guys that are about to hit 30 and guys that signed their contracts early, and especially right before this kind of just dramatic increase really began to take hold, you can understand why this stuff has come up and bubbled up at the exact same time. Yep. All right. You want to move on, buddy? We let's, let's get to our OTAs preview, which uh, is not really about predicting specific things that are going to happen in OTAs, but more about the nature of OTAs in general. And, And what we wanted to chat about is kind of what you should be watching and what you should be taking seriously from the next week of your life as a football fan. What in OTAs is real? What in OTAs is not real? So Kevin, why don't you throw out first? what people should just not be paying attention to here over oh, the next week or so. Oh, my
1: God. Is it everything? Everything.
0: Should we start with what's important? Because this will be oh too long of a God. conversation otherwise. Um,
1: a lot of contract stuff you can just ignore. A lot of contract uh, stuff. Khalil Mack is not showing up to OTAs. Yep. I, I would go, I, For now, go ahead and ignore that. Sure. Right? I mean, and there haven't been waves that he's going to, you know, skip the season or something. You know, until we get to... Even the first week or two of training camp don't take that stuff seriously because we've seen so many times where guys just show up on August 4th and it's fine. So, Khalil Mack... And Mac, here's the thing. Here's why Khalil Mac is different than what we just talked about. Khalil Mac is,
0: is not going to be traded. No, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. That, that's why you can ignore it. Then the Gronk Earl sa- Thomas the stuff. Same, exactly. The same
1: thing with Julio Jones.
0: Yes, correct.
1: Just, who cares? Just let that... That, that stuff will all work itself out. Dimitrov... Arthur Blank, those guys. They know what they have in Julio. I, I wouldn't worry about it at this point. Um real real question. I do think you, you that... should make a call if you're another team, though. Just
0: like, oh hey, yeah. Well, just, just curious. I don't know. And you just talk about something else for 20 minutes and just think at the end of the call be like, you know, I just just thinking about it. I read something and I was curious, what, what's going on with Julio? Yeah.
1: And you just drop it in at the end of the conversation and see what comes of it. Yeah. Great. Uh Josh Allen took photos with a Bunch of fans who got or there were two people who got married outside of the Bill Stadium the other day. Do you see this? No. And they, had, I, I they I did the photos. All stuff. And then Josh Allen came out and uh, took photos with the wedding group.
0: He's going to have to do something to endear himself to the Buffalo vehicle.
1: <laughs> I mean, that could go so south if he turns out to be a huge bust. And the, the, what did this, what are these, this married couple do? Like they burn those pictures and effigies. What are they, they going to like, do with these Josh Allen photos if he's out of here in two years?
0: I don't know. People take a lot of photos at their weddings that they probably don't use later. I oh, think you're I, about to find that out. I looked at some last night.
1: There you go. Um, yeah. I mean, there's obviously, you know, the Julian Edelman news obviously is tangible because sure. he's gonna miss four games. Did you see that he you see what he tested for? No. It's an unrecognizable substance is what it's being referred to as Wow. That's pretty impressive. How do they even know it's banned, man? Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> that's oh, that's the question. I'm not a scientist,
1: so that, that, I I I am now more fascinated with what the substance is than maybe anything else right now in the NFL. Is it, was he, is he like, I, what, what is he doing? Is it, is it some, is it some from a lab somewhere? It, no, 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 it came from a lab, but like how, how, how unrecognizable can we get? Was he doing like Gattaca shit? <laughs> is he it's the first Gattaca reference he on this changing podcast. changing his genes around? Like what, w- there's a million ways that could go. Anyway, let's, let's, let's is show there anything else, No, no, no. So you feel I, like we should I, just I dismiss oh. out of hand? Oh. Um, I also one thing. One thing very quickly I'd like to point out: Do you know the Ravens lost two more OTA practices? Yeah. What are they doing? They have they now lost the reason. Yeah. They have now lost five OTA practices in the last three years for for illegal CBA violations. With all this cheating, shouldn't the Ravens be better? I I don't know. I know that they maybe need to stop doing this. Yeah, probably. That might be the move. I mean, I the the history of teams violating these things, it's usually not great teams. Remember Eric Mangini in Cleveland had a problem? You I probably don't. You probably don't remember yeah, that. I probably don't, I don't really remember that Eric very well. Or Robert. Um, okay, so the one thing I, I, I want to say that does matter. When you are have you have you gone to OTAs before? No, I've not okay, actually. So I have. Um when I lived in New York, it would be very easy for me to just go down to Baltimore or Philadelphia or um, Washington. You know, just drive down. And you start to realize that culture is built now. And I wrote a story in February for the Super Bowl where we talked about the Patriots and why they're so good at coming back. And the answer is because they run a lot. And you start to realize that Conditioning is incredibly important. Culture is important. Getting these guys in a mindset where they're going to run. Um, getting these guys in a mindset to where, okay, um, you know, not necessarily chemistry, but, and in fact, chemistry is, is, is kind of, not kind of, extremely overrated, but culture is not. And I feel like getting these guys and building something uh, now is important because training camp, you just don't have the time to do it. You know, one of my favorite stories I've ever written is about Peyton Manning. And about how he would take out the rookies who didn't know how to play golf, every OTAs, and he would just teach them golf. And I remember there was one thing, it was a a lineman, I think, and he had a slice that was so bad that Peyton Manning just taught him to tee off sort of sideways. Like yeah,
0: tee off. Slice it right back into the fairway. Yeah, just slice it right just, into yeah, the fairway. It right it's into an the early fairway. Golf move for
1: sure. I think we've yeah. all been there at some point. Not me. And then the one you hit straight, you hit three fairways over. Yeah, I, I just hit him straight first time, Robert. Sorry, had a boy. But um, no, nah, it's not true at all. But um, the reason he wanted to do that, he didn't care about teaching them golf. What he cared about was getting these guys used to his communication style and getting these guys used to his micromanaging style because that lineman in week eleven is he going to get yelled at and he's going to get a teaching moment from Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning thought he was the coach of the team but you don't have that kind of time in training camp you don't have that kind of time in games especially with rookies and so he was building the culture now and saying okay I'm going to do stuff outside of the normal practice time because there's not enough and I'm going to get these guys on the same page I think that getting everybody on the same page is really important and to that end to that end Did you see the Detroit Free Press column this week, Robert? I did. I did. That's what I'd like to talk about. So, the Detroit Free Press wrote a column in which they speculated that Matt Patricia is in danger of losing his players. Not speculation. It was the first sentence. Because they run too much. Belichick's already lost his guys, then. Belichick lost his guys in 2001 when he started making them run up a hill in Foxborough. And we've seen the results since. I mean, running is important, guys. I'm sorry to the Detroit Free Press that they're upset about the running, but it, that's extremely important. And I'm, I think that it's a good sign that Matt Patricia's doing it. I don't think he's losing his players. I'm going to go out of limb and let say he is not as well. The 2 I want to say two things about what
0: I think matters before we get to Danny here in a second. First, again with rookies, I think the rookies thing that you're talking about, pay attention to younger guys. Because I think that there are two kind of areas in which I think that's important. One, the fact that Marcus Davenport is having thumb surgery right now. And he will miss the rest of OTAs and maybe the beginning of training camp. That stuff matters for rookies. Yep. If When rookies get hurt early, do not expect them to have a big impact. And I know his is supposedly minor. He might be back by camp. Yeah, Rapport Rapport
1: thinks he'll be back by camp. And if he does, that's
0: fine. But that's the type of stuff I would keep an eye out for. Because when rookies get hurt early, they have a really hard time contributing right away. With a lot of these guys, OTAs are a formality. It's stuff they've done a hundred times. Even with new coaches, they're a formality in a certain way. With young guys, that's not the case, and I'll be watching that. Again, with rookies and younger guys, I don't... I really couldn't care about who looks good or not in terms of you know veterans. Like guys, And I don't know if this has been reported, but I'm sure it will be. I bet Kevin White is going to look
1: great in OTAs. Devontae
0: Parker is going to look amazing. Those are the type of guys that always look good in OTAs, and I just don't care but with younger guys like stuff that's been re- right being written about Ronald Jones right now in Tampa it's more about the role expected for them than it is about whether yep. they look good in yep. these practices actions speak louder than words usage is important yep. to me are they yeah. running with the ones yes that's the type of stuff that I would like to pay attention to and that's also for fantasy you know that's just one of those things where guys that are going to get run that's what you want to pay attention to with younger guys but just in terms of ceiling if teams are trying to turn over a new leaf at certain positions you can open up just in a, an entirely new level with certain position groups. And I think that's important. Those are the type of things I care about. It's not whether so-and-so fourth-year receiver who has never come around caught a couple more balls, including one where he was diving out of bounds, and it's going to be in a whole new ball game with that person. I, I I don't... I'm not interested in that.
1: Yeah. No, I remember when I covered the Dolphins when I was in college, and you would see these guys and they looked great, and you would say, Hey, this guy... I remember this guy, Kerry Reed, who looked great, you know on the fifth team there in, in training camp, and then you say, well, they look good, and then they get cut on the, you know, on pretty easily, and, and you realize it's because they were never running with the ones because nothing matters unless the coaches put them in positions like that because they're looking for what they can do in big spots. If they're not getting elevated to the twos or the ones, do not pay attention to them.
0: Yeah, I as a as, as a,
1: you know, Devon Bess is the opposite of that. Devon Best came in as an undrafted free agent, had tons of hype, but then he was getting opportunities really early in the summer, and you knew he was going to be an impact player. I think that the undrafted free agent, young guy kind of thing, there's a hype machine that exists there, and we don't pay enough attention to the positions they're put in as to whether or not we should pay attention to them or not.
0: I totally agree. All
1: right, buddy. Let's uh, let's get Danny on. Yeah.
0: We now welcome Danny Kelly to the program. Danny, how are you, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing well.
1: How are you guys doing?
0: Don't I'm lie. doing great. Uh, I'm excited to be back to football talk here. Kevin's
1: back from Africa. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, right. doing, I'm doing a rugby podcast after this. <laughs> I have some thoughts on uh, on the England-South Africa game the other night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The ringer
0: rugby show is, is a little bit tough on the tongue. I'm not sure well, if you have to call it something else. It would else. be
1: me having the Wikipedia page open and trying to learn the rules for 30 minutes. <laughs> I'd listen to that. It's great. It's great content. All right, Danny, <laughs> you are writing for this week
0: about some of the more underrated positional units in the league. This, these are conversations I always enjoy because yeah. I have opinions. So uh, <laughs> let's let's get to the first one that, that you mentioned to me, which may seem surprising and I think kind of speaks overall to this team's roster construction, and how it might be. It might surprise some people. It might, it might sneak up on them.
2: Yeah, I mean, with them signing Michael Kendricks this week, you know, it, it kind of helps you look at that that unit a little bit closer. And they've got some talent there. I mean, obviously, Jamie Collins is... He's the headlining guy in that group. And, and I think he can get back to being a really high end back player if he gets healthy and stays healthy this year. Uh, Christian Kirksey had a good season. And then Joe Schobert was a really, really quiet uh, pro bowler last year. Like, you didn't really even hear much about him. But he had a, he had a solid season. And so... Adding Kendricks into that group, I think, gives them some options to move some guys around. I think they'll probably try and rush Collins a little bit more because he's so explosive,
0: and it gives them depth, uh, you know, which is important. Depth. I think that's yeah. a huge part of it. Is like it, it, that position group with Michael Kendricks is maybe not as good as some of the other guys they have, but if somebody gets hurt, there are worse options in the NFL than Michael Kendricks.
2: Right, he can play all three positions too, and so that just gives them so much more solid depth. They're not gonna have to be reaching way back into the coffers to you know to start a guy if someone gets hurt, and so. I just think if you look at that group, it's pretty solid. And, and like you said in the opening, it's like there's quite a, you know, this team in general is just a lot deeper than it used to be. And so, I don't know, man. They're going to be kind of interesting to watch this year. I'm, I'm not, you know, banking on like a huge, huge turnaround, but I do think they're going to probably surprise people. And, and they're not, I, I assume they're not going to be at 0-16. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be kind of fun to watch this team.
0: The thing about their linebackers getting better and why they would need to is that this team had one of the better run defenses in the entire NFL last year. And now you lose Danny Shelton. Obviously, they trade him to New England to try to get some value out of him as he hits a fifth-year option that was untenable for them. And now it's like, okay, we got worse on the the defensive line just in terms of run-stopping ability. How can we make sure that we maintain some sort of just structure in that area of our defense? And I think that's why being better at linebacker is going to be important for them
2: yeah absolutely i mean and and i mean the the depth thing is huge too because just mm-hmm. injury like you can look at like why, what I'm doing right now is just looking at rosters you know that's sure. what you do at time. this point in, in time of year and i mean you can just like envision the ideal starting lineup of every team and it's awesome to think about but injuries happen so much and it's like you have to account for that and so I just think having four starting caliber caliber linebackers in that group is going to be big for them
0: Let's get to a team that without that sort of depth, though, which is another one on your list. I agree with you on this one, and it it pains me to do so. But the Chicago Bears secondary is another pretty underrated positional group. But they don't have the depth that the Cleveland linebackers do. It's pretty much a starting five and not much else. And that worries me a little bit.
2: Yeah. And this is actually the one, I think, the one group on my list who is basically the same as last year. There's not really any changes happening. It's, it's the,
0: the exact same, and it's because they're right, banking right. on those guys. I mean, they had to re-sign a lot of them.
2: Yeah, they had to re-sign Amukamara. Obviously, they kept Kyle Fuller, and then getting Bryce Callahan back on a, on a restricted free agent deal is, is good for them. And so, I mean, I, you kind of just look at their development arc of that group. Plus, they have two pretty good safeties. You know, you, I really like Amos, and Eddie Jackson showed some things last year. And so, I don't know, just as a group... This looks like a really solid unit, but there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of caveats to it. One, they got to stay healthy because the depth isn't there. And two, I'm still worried about that pass rush. And, you know, without any pass rush, it can really expose pretty much any good secondary. And so, you know, there's kind of some moving parts to this, but I do think they have a lot of talent in that secondary, kind of sleeping on them a bit.
0: The Bears secondary and how it's constructed now, and like you said, you're excited about Amos and Jackson, is an argument against the idea of bringing in a somewhat proven free agent even when you're not close to being a contender because they brought in Quentin Demps last year and the only reason that Jackson and Amos got all those snaps is because Quentin Demps got hurt. If he hadn't, those guys wouldn't develop the way they did. I'm never happy that anyone gets hurt but again, it's, that's the problem when you're trying to give new, young guys opportunities and why you should give young guys opportunities is because they developed the way that a guy like Eddie Jackson did last year. That was important because we wouldn't yeah. be having this conversation if that hadn't happened.
2: The safety position, too, in particular is so communication based and and, and it's more than just like talking to each other. It's it's little like super nuanced things like the way, the way that guys take their first step or the way they line up prior to the snap and, you know, reading a defense and reacting based on what the, or sorry, reading the offense and reacting based on what formations and motions and things like that happen. So, yeah, I mean, those snaps together can be really big. And and I, I just kind of hope and expect that, 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 you know, that safety group is going to take a big jump forward next year.
0: I certainly hope so. And again, <laughs> injuries have been their biggest issue on defense over the last couple of years. If they stay healthy, I think that they can be pretty darn good. All right. Let's stay in that division to a group that has really come around just in the last couple of years in terms of the resources spent there, what teams, what we're going to expect from them in general. And that is Detroit's offensive line. I agree with you here. I just think that they can be a strength when a couple of years ago, they were probably that depth charts defined weakness.
2: Right. I actually went, when I was looking at this, I, I thought to myself, you probably could have said the exact same thing last year, that they were kind of an up and coming group that could break out. But then they had so many injuries that happened throughout the year. You know, Taylor Decker had the surgery at the beginning of the year. He missed the first half. TJ Lang and Ricky Wagner both missed time. Um, you know, and so they had, they just had so many things go against them, but coming into this year, you know, and, and this all assumes health, but they're deeper now because they got Frank Ragnow. He can play a couple positions on the interior. Mm-hmm. They signed Kenny Wiggins. Uh, they got Tyrell Crosby in the draft. So they have some guys I think that you can trust a little bit to come in and play that role if if guys get hurt. And so I one, I like their depth better. And two, just when you look at that like potential starting five, if you've got if you pencil Ragnow in at left guard, um, I think that's a pretty damn solid line. And you know, they've got a mix of experience and young guys and um. Yeah, it's just good. I mean, like, if they can get their run game going, that's that's huge for them because their offense has been really one-sided, you know, throughout the last couple of years. And I think that could, you know, be a big change for them going forward.
1: I think it's interesting. The Lions, you, you mentioned this, Robert, but they just went out and just threw resources at a problem. And I think that yeah. that's, that's such a good model for what NFL teams should do. And, and obviously, if you have a complete roster, you can— you know, patch here and there and, and build that way. But the Lions had a problem and they threw resources at it. T.J. Lang, they went out and got. They used their first round pick on Frank now. um, 2016, they, they used a first round pick on Taylor Decker. I mean, this is a, Graham Glasgow, I think, was a third round pick. So you just start looking at how they built their team and they said, we have a problem, we're going to figure it out. And I think that is uh, admirable in a team building concept.
0: Every so often, we have all these pre-draft conversations about what teams are going to do, where their needs are, everything like that. And so often, we're wrong. (laughs) The way that we identify a team's needs is different than the way they do. Everyone looked at the Lions, top to bottom, offense, defense, and said, this team needs to find a way to run the ball. And their first two picks in the draft were an interior offensive lineman and a running back, (laughs) Gary Johnson. So every so often, it's like, yeah, you know what? We are actually bad there. We probably should do something about it. And (laughs) speaking of just throwing resources at a problem, Danny, the last one I want to talk to you about is a team that made the playoffs last year, but I think we all thought was not as good as their record showed or the fact that they were a playoff team. But again, with all the changes they've made personnel-wise, coaching staff-wise, all that stuff, is a team you can get excited about again. And that is the back end of the Titans' defense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think of the Titans, it's always kind of like their offense and how you know terrible and boring the, the Smash Mouth, the, the exotic Smash Mouth was last year. Not, and not quite just, as
0: exotic as we'd like.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, yeah... It, like opposite of that actually not. Yeah, not exactly. That's why it
1: was always hilarious. <laughs> not not exotic, not smash mouth. <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: Um but I mean look at that defense now. They got some guys on the defense and and in particular in the secondary, they've made some additions over the last couple of years that you really like. Um I'm a big fan of Kevin Byard. I think he came like he he broke out last year. You know, obviously he I don't know if he led the NFL in interceptions or at least at he one did. point he was. Yeah he did. Yeah. And so he's, he's kind of like that ball hawk in the secondary. They've got, um, you know, they signed Malcolm Butler and free agency and Logan Ryan was already there. And so they've got like the Patriots secondary, you know, transplanted over here to Tennessee. And, and then, you know, add in, you know, Jonathan Ciprian, he's a good run defender. He plays his role. He plays and then, well uh, with
0: Bayard. It's a good combination. If you're looking for complementary skill sets, it's right. a good combination.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then you add in Adoree Jackson and what he can do. And so I think that they've got a solid group there. Um, potentially, you know, highly underrated group that could, you know, break out this year, and so I don't know. That that's definitely something that they need because um, you just don't know what to expect again from Marcus Mariota. But I just think, you know, really on both sides of the ball, this this team is kind of has the potential to do a big breakout this year.
0: This it's going to be a weird comparison, and I don't think it's top to bottom like this unit is, but it reminds me a little bit of Jacksonville's defense if it goes the right way. In order to have a quick and complete turnaround, you need. A combination of in-house draftees and smart free agent signings and i think that kevin byard can be the telvin smith and dory jackson can be a version of jalen ramsey even if he's not as good it's just that type of kind of ascension of your in-house guys and the right bets with your free agent money that's how you need that's what needs to happen if you're gonna become the unit you'd like to when you spend all these resources and that's what they're going for i mean you have three free agent signings and two in-house guys and you just hope that the ingredients in that combination Becomes a top flight unit. That's what they need.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, plus then if you add in guys like you know Rashawn Evans, first round from this year. Yep. Uh, Complimentary, you know, pass just, a lot secondary,
1: of like we always talk about. All right, buddy. That's uh. That's all the time we have, Danny. I really appreciate it. Hey, Danny. Danny, ten seconds. Earl Thomas. What do you do? You sign him,
2: obviously. Of course. Why, why aren't they trying <laughs> to sign him? I think their snake bit a little bit from the Cam Chancellor thing. They gave him a lot of guaranteed money, and then he got hurt. And I think you know they're looking at the the market for safeties lately, and it's right. just been really low and, and strange. And so I don't know if they just want to make this soon to be thirty year old guy the highest paid posi- uh, you know player at his position at a position that has been monetarily at least really strange this year. They're just you know. A lot of guys still have free agents at that position. So. No
1: one, No one has been closer to the Seahawks without Earl Thomas that physically than Pete Carroll. He's seen it. Wouldn't you just give him all the money in the world? Whatever? <laughs> I, I mean,
2: yeah, I would. I it's weird because, you know, I could go on for days about this, but Thomas has been like Pete Carroll's avatar on the right. field. Like he played safety when he was coming up. You know, it's a really highly important position in Pete Carroll's defense. It like allows them to do so many different things with their run defense and with their corners. Uh I don't know why they would even consider it, but you know, there's Whatever. talk lately about how Carroll wants to re reinvigorate kind of the competition mantra and, and i think guys come in and see like they're not going to take earl thomas's job so maybe that's what's happening here uh you know that's a reach that's but a reach
1: that
0: wow that's a reach that's a reach wow. to end on robert all right guys that's all we got for today danny thank you very much and as always thank you all for joining us thank you for listening to the ringer nfl show on the ringer podcast network